0: If you've been here for the last several years, you know that uh, for the last probably four or five years, uh, we've had a Missions Week every year. And uh, usually it's we have speakers on both ends. And so this year, I'm going to preach the second message and challenge our church a little bit. So we just had one open slot this year for a guest speaker to come in and kick off Missions Week. And so I didn't know who to invite. I wasn't totally sure. One of the great challenges of preaching every single week is that you're not being preached to. And so I try to listen to a lot of sermons to feed my own soul. And I need to grow as well. And so uh, this uh, year I was listening to a sermon by a friend of mine, Pastor Titus Green, uh, who came and preached at Super Summer this past summer, did a fantastic job. And uh, he spoke in this sermon in such a way that said, this guy's got a heart for God, a heart for people. And uh, when I heard that sermon, I said, I'm going to invite him to come. I think he would connect with our folks. And so I've asked our uh, team back there just to play a little, just a one-minute clip of this sermon. And I think you'll see why, why we were so uh Encouraged by by Titus here. Almost 2,000 families, not 2,000 people, 2,000
1: families were given full Thanksgiving meals for their whole family because people are willing to work alongside each other. Because people came to the table and said, you know what? I'm even willing to work alongside a Methodist. Can you believe how strong Jesus is? They're willing. To serve alongside, so many of you, listen, so many of you guys exemplify this better than I could ever describe. A willingness to come alongside other people, say there are other ways to do this. There are many ways to feed needy peepee. Peepee, peepee, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) That stutter. Let's go. Lord, I don't even know. Hold on, hold on, hey, and what do I do? Like, seriously, cut it and just go home? Thanks for coming out today. Hey, if you didn't see the Space Coast Marathon, it's on your way home.
0: I'm ashamed to admit this, but I've listened to that at my house about 50 or 60 times. Once a week, when I'm discouraged, I listen to that clip, and God used it to bolster me up in in the faith. And so when I heard that, I said, here's a guy who has a heart for needy people, but also a guy who clearly has a mastery of the king's English. So, with all joking aside, one of my one of my good friends in ministry. Would you welcome to the pulpit this morning, Pastor Titus Green?
1: So, I don't know actually how to uh, preach to a church whose pastor isn't a Christian. His name is Saved. Um, So, we're going to pray for Brad this morning. Um, And I had, uh, thank you for that, by the way. Hey, you know, nothing is more of a friend move, what would Jesus do, than how about we find a clip of a time where this guy really messed up, and let's play it over and over again personally and privately with my family, and then let's do it right before he preaches. So what a gift he is, what a gift to the kingdom Brad Cunningham is. So I won't be back, um, but uh, I'll be preaching this morning. Uh, I reminded him this morning there's a reason why I've never had him come to Florida to preach for me, so uh, you can do the math on that one. If you want to go ahead and have your Bibles ready to go, this is the week we're kicking off, uh, the Mission Emphasis Week, Engage in the mission of Jesus Christ around the world. And we truly do need God to do what only He can do. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for this time together that God would do some things in your all's lives that only God can do. And so we're going to pray, and it's not because it's the placeholder at the beginning of our sermons. It's because we desperately need God to do what only God can do during our times together. And there is a work in your life that needs to be done that I can't do. And I'm going to ask God to do that. And as I pray, I'm going to mention some other pastors. I do want to pray uh, that you would encourage your pastor. Seriously, I, I do ask you. We do this at our church every single week. Before I preach, we pray for a local church and their pastor and ask that God would be in encouraging them and using them, and we ask our fellowship to write notes and emails. We send, we we actually put the address and name of the church uh, in the bulletin, and we show all of our troublesome members the name and address of that church. You might want to try it out sometime, but uh, I want you to encourage Pastor Brad. If he has been used by God in your life or in your family, would you drop him a note this week and let him know how God's using you? Then I'll be praying for my dad, uh, who's preaching in Kalamazoo this morning, my nephew Jesse, who's preaching just down the street. He's a missionary to China, and he's preaching Uh, at his home church down the road, and then certainly I'll be praying for our church fellowship, Pastor Fayez, who's our mission pastor in Merritt Island. So would you join me in praying? I'm just going to bow your heads. Father, would you please do among us what only you can do? Lord, I I know that uh, the concepts that we are discussing aren't complicated They're easy for us to understand, and for most of us in this room, they will not be new. And Lord, I pray that our familiarity with these truths would not distract them from the powerful implications in our lives. So God, please stir us up. Mobilize the people in this room for the mission of the gospel of Jesus. Lord, make your word clear to our hearts and our minds and change us in the teaching of your word father i pray that you would encourage pastor brad thank you for his friendship i thank you for uh the way he makes me laugh and is a friend to me god i pray you would continue to use him and leading out among this family of faith Lord, i pray for dad this morning lord may he preach the gospel clearly and boldly as he's done for so many decades i pray for jesse father thank you for the beginnings of his ministry and lord i, I look forward to what you're doing among the people of China through his life. And Lord, I also pray for Pastor Fayez that he would be filled with the power of your spirit to proclaim your word to your people. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, amen, amen. Would you take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 10? Romans chapter 10. Let's start with a real quick question. Have you ever been lost? Um, Not just kind of turned around down the street, but like really lost. The kind of lost that makes you start to panic because you realize just how deeply lost you are. That's only happened to me on a couple of different occasions, and I I can really vividly remember the first time that it happened. Actually, it's one of the earliest memories that I have from childhood. I was probably about three years old or so. My family was in Kmart, um, and there are a couple of things that I can remember about getting lost in Kmart at three years old. First of all, I remember I was small enough that I actually identified my parents from their knees down. Now, I know that sounds weird. It even feels weird to say out loud, but it's not the worst thing you've already heard me say today, but uh, my world at that time as a three-year-old was a lot like scenes from Charlie Brown cartoons that included adults. You guys remember those? You never actually saw their faces, just a world of calves and shoes, right? So that's my remembrance of that, just a bunch of shoes attached to adult-sized people. So there's the first one. The other thing I remember about that trip was it was my first exposure to sea monkeys. Now, does anybody ever remember sea monkeys? Four of you remember sea monkeys. Now, if you don't know what sea monkeys are, then I want to say I'm so sorry for how boring your childhood must have been. Amazing, amazing things. So there I am, three years old, in the middle of Kmart, staring at sea monkeys, imagining what it would be like to have my own sea monkey circus at home, and I realized something. I didn't recognize any of the shoes around me just aisle after aisle of anonymous feet attached to people I didn't know. I started to panic. I was looking around. Sandals, orthopedics, biker boots, not good at all. So my little three-year-old brain is panicking and racing. I'm asking questions like, would I ever see my family again? What do they do with lost kids in Kmart? Was it possible they'd sell me in layaway? What exactly is a blue light special? I'm just panicking right there. Up one dial, down the the other until I got to the front of the store and there they were mom's shoes mom's shoes they were glorious they were beautiful to me because of what they represented I was I was going home I had a family. I wasn't lost anymore. And believe it or not, the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at out of Romans chapter 10 is about a similar dynamic. Romans is a letter that's written to describe how it is that every man, woman and child has lost their way. They rebelled against the knowledge and truth of God that's made known under all of creation. And every man, woman, child is, is captive to their own sin and is actually destined to suffer the punishment. Of eternal condemnation as a result of their sin. That's what we said this morning in Romans chapter 6. The wages, the payment for our sin, our rebellion against God, our straying from honoring God as God. The payment, the wage of that is death. Eternal separation from God, enduring the condemnation of His wrath over our sin. And so Romans is telling us that every man, woman, child on the face of planet earth is lost in their sin and is unable to, to rescue themselves. But God, in his mercy and his grace, he sent us Jesus. He chose to rescue people who were lost like us. So God sent his son, Jesus, into this world. And Jesus lived the perfect life that we haven't lived. He died the death that you and I should have died as a payment for our sin. And Jesus rose again from the dead. In chapters 5 through 8, we get this beautiful picture that Jesus not only gave his life for us, Jesus intends to live his life through us. That He intends for you to live a life that can only be explained, that a real and living Jesus is empowering your every thought, word, and deed. That's Romans chapter 1 through 8. Then you get to this section in Romans 9 through 11 where you find that he's writing to this church in Rome, and these people have come from a diverse background. Back, I don't even know what that is. It happened again, Brad. Thanks. I appreciate you setting me up for that. They come from this diverse background. They're Jews and they're Gentiles, merged together in a new community of believers, followers of jesus christ and they're they're struggling to find their identity so romans chapter nine through eleven transitions from teaching about the gospel of jesus that we're all lost and need to be rescued by jesus christ and his work on our behalf that he intends to give his resurrection life for us and live it through us and then answers these questions what about israel because there are Jews in Rome who are asking, what about Israel? Weren't we God's chosen people? Aren't we the people of God? What about all the promises that were made to them? And here we find in Romans chapter 10, right in the middle of that section, where Paul's answering those questions about the people of God and who they are and what they're called to be and do, that we find Paul teaching about this magnificent summary statement here. That's what we're going to read, this summary statement on the process that God himself has ordained for every person to be saved who will be saved. So as you guys are are engaging in the global mission mission of Christ among all of the nations, and you're asking this question about the 7 billion people on the face of the earth, and you're asking, how will they be saved? How will they be rescued? Right here we have it. We have this explanation of God's ordained sequence of events that will lead to the salvation of every person who will be saved. Look at Romans chapter 10. And I'm going to start reading in verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written. Listen to this phrase. How beautiful. Beautiful in the eyes of God. Beautiful in the eyes of those who are lost and now found. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is the word of God for us. I pray God will add his blessing and teach us. By the reading of his word. So here we have this sequence. Some of you may be elementary teachers. Do we have any elementary teachers here this morning? Many of you guys in elementary education would know this. There's a fundamental skill that we have to acquire early on as, as individuals who are going to be reading and listening to stories. And that, that skill is called sequencing. Sequencing is our ability to understand the flow of events in the order or the sequence in which they occur. If you can understand the sequence and order of events, then you can get an overview to understand the whole story. Let me give you an illustration. Um, One day, Pastor Brad filled out his college basketball bracket for March Madness. Then, Pastor Brad wanted to spend as much time as possible watching basketball this weekend, so Pastor Brad decided to get someone else to preach in his place. Pastor Brad then called someone he knew to preach in his place that he thought would do a good job. That guy said, no. Pastor Brad called me. I said, yes. Here I am. So there's more to the story there, but you get the sort of order of main events, and that gives you an understanding of the the sequence of the story. Well, what you just read in Romans chapter 10 is God revealing to his people the God-ordained sequence of events that will occur for the salvation of every person who will be saved. If you're asking a question, how will they be saved? One angle to that answer is through this sequence of events my children will be saved by this sequence of events your children your neighbors your coworkers the people in america people in china people in pakistan people in brazil people all over the face of the earth everyone who will be saved will be saved through this sequence of events so i want us to walk through this sequence of events and see what there is for our learning and i pray that god stirs your heart as you hear what God has to say about how he's saving people from every tribe and tongue and nation. So look at this. In verse 13 you see Paul actually reverses the order of events. He starts at the end of the story. So he's working his way backward because he's getting to some place to send us to the nations. But look at verse 13. Here's Here's the culmination of this sequence of events. Here's what happens as a result of these things taking place. Verse 13. Everyone listen to this. Everyone. Can you guys say everyone? Everyone. First service did not want to talk. Um, That was encouraging and challenging. Everyone. What do you think God means when he says everyone? Way to go. You guys are with it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. The Lord has a name. You guys see that there? What's his name? Jesus. 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 Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. You guys see that there? Is that what your Bibles say? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You need to know this. No one is excluded from that process. Every man, every woman, every child who calls on the name of Jesus to save them, guess what happens to them? They're saved by the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the strength and power of God through Jesus Christ, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, every person. That will acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. That's what the verses right before this says. If you will acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. He's God. He is who he says he is. And you will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. He lived a life on this earth. He died in our place, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again from the grave by the power of God. If you will trust in Jesus' work on your behalf To make you right with God and call on Him for salvation, here's the promise of God. You will be saved. That's true for every man, woman, child, every person, every American, every one of the 37,000 people in Liberty Township, every one of the 371,000 people in Butler County, every one Of the two million plus people who live in the metro Cincinnati area, everyone who calls on Jesus will be saved. Every Chinese, every Brazilian, every Russian, every Pakistani, every person under God's great earth and on the face of this planet who calls on Jesus to be saved will be saved. That's the promise. That's an amazing truth. Here's the beauty of this. Listen to this, it's beautiful. Everyone, you included. And Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, you don't need to go there, you just write this down. Revelation 7, verse 9 gives us a snapshot at the end of time. And around the throne of God, there in Revelation 7, you see the scene. And the scene says, and I saw a multitude that no one could number. You know where they were from? From every tribe and tongue and nation gathered around the throne of God, giving praise to God and to the Lamb. Not only can every person who calls on the name of the Lord be saved, there will be people from every nation, tribe, and tongue who will do just that. So the question is this, how will they be saved? And here's what Paul does. He gives us in verses 14 and 15 four rhetorical questions that paint for us the picture, that outline for us the sequence of events that God has ordained to bring salvation to every man, woman, child who calls on the name of Jesus. Look at verse 14. He asks these questions. These are rhetorical. The answer's supposed to be obvious. Verse 14, how then can they, those who will call on Jesus, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? What's the answer? They can't. They won't call for salvation in a Christ they don't believe in. Then look at he says. And how can they believe in the one of whom they've they've not heard? What's the answer? They can't. They They won't believe in a Jesus they have not heard proclaimed. And how can they hear without someone preaching or proclaiming to them? The answer is this. They can't. Verse 15, and how can they preach unless they're sent? Here's the answer, they can't. So God says to us, this sequence isn't long, it isn't hard to understand, it isn't difficult to conceive, People must believe the message of Jesus before they'll call on Him for salvation. And people must hear the message of Jesus before they will believe on Him to call on Him for salvation. People must have someone proclaiming the message of Jesus to them before they'll believe in Him, before they'll call on Him to be saved. And people must have someone sent to them. To proclaim Jesus to them so they'll believe in him and they'll call on him to be saved. Here's the bottom line for you and me. The bottom line is that the people of this world will not be saved until someone is sent and goes to preach the gospel of Jesus to them. They just won't. They will be trapped in lostness and darkness and sin for all of their life on this planet and for the eternity that is to come, unless someone is sent and goes and proclaims Jesus to them. That's why verse 15 then says this if they're this lost, if they're this trapped, if they're this undone and unable, and this is the only way that they'll be saved, verse 15 becomes clear. How beautiful! How glorious! How wonderful are the feet of those who bring good news. Do you hear that? Since this is true, since this sequence of events is the only way that God has ordained for men, women, and children around this world to hear and call on Jesus to be saved, since that's the only way this happens, the feet of the people who take the gospel to the ends of the earth are beautiful. Their lives are beautiful. They are beautiful. The people who will get up out of the comfort of their living room, who will get out of the comfort of their office or their hometown or their country of origin. When someone answers the sending call of Almighty God to go to their neighbor, to go to their coworker, to go to the billions of people who are unreached around this world and they head out of their comfort zone into a lost and dying world on one mission to make the gospel of Jesus known to people who will otherwise perish. Their feet are beautiful, their lives are beautiful. That's a life worth living. Cuz how else will they be saved? Their beautiful feet because of what they represent. You don't have to be lost anymore. You can have an eternal home with God. You will be a part of his family forever because of Jesus. Their lives are beautiful. Brothers and sisters, William Carey believed this in 1793 when he left his home in England to make the good news about Jesus known in India. He never returned home again. He died in 1834. He buried two wives and three children on the mission field. He suffered malaria and poverty. And he didn't baptize his first convert until seven years on the field. His life was hard and poor and sick and beautiful. His feet brought the tidings of good news to those who had never heard about Jesus. Lottie Moon believed this in 1912 when she died weighing no more than 50 pounds from near starvation. After spending nearly 40 years making the gospel known to the people in China, her life was hard and poor and sick and beautiful. Her feet brought the good news of Jesus to people who had never heard. Jim Elliott believed this in 1949 when he wrote in his journal, he is no fool, who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And then he went to the jungles of Ecuador to reach a remote tribe for the sake of the gospel. And he was killed by that tribe January 8th, 1956, trying to make contact with them. He was 29 years old. He wrote in a letter to his family, remember, you are immortal until your work is done. But don't Let the sands of time get into the eyes of your vision to reach those who still sit in darkness. They simply must hear. Just before he left, the last time, his wife asked him if he and his missionary team would use their guns to defend themselves if they were attacked. And he emphatically said that they would not. When she asked him why, he said this, because we are ready for heaven and they are not. And he never came home again. And his life was hard and short, and it was beautiful. He carried good news to people who never would have heard. David Catherine Hodge from my church in Merritt Island, Florida, believed this a few years ago when Catherine finished her medical degree in residency. David gave up a successful career, and they moved to Malawi in Southeast Africa. They traded the affluence of two American professionals for living without electricity most of the time, living without running water for most of the dry season. They've had two little girls on the mission field, and their life is much harder and much less convenient and much less affluent, and it's absolutely beautiful because their feet have brought the good news of Jesus to people who would not have heard. And every person who ever led you to Jesus Christ believed the same thing. They believed that whatever the convenience this world had to offer that would have distracted them from the mission of Jesus, that it wasn't nearly as beautiful as living to bring the gospel of Jesus to your life. And their feet were beautiful. They brought the good news of Christ into your heart that never would have known to believe, to call on Jesus. The truth of this text, guys, should hit us right between the eyes. People are perishing all over this planet And every last one of them every last one of them could be saved by the gospel if they will call on the name of Jesus to save them. But they will not call on Jesus unless they believe and they will not believe unless they hear. And they will not hear unless they have someone proclaiming and no one will proclaim unless someone goes and is sent. So this emphasis this week of engaging in the mission of Christ through Liberty Heights Church is eternally significant. Because what you're engaging in is more than just the vision of your leaders to get you to go on a trip or give a few dollars. You're engaging in God's ordained sequence through which every person who will be saved will be saved by those who have beautiful feet and declare the gospel of Jesus. As I've been praying about this truth for you, here's what I've been praying for your life. There are four things that I'm praying that will happen in every single one of you today. I pray and they'll happen in me. And I want to go through those just as we close. The first thing is this. I pray you will care. I pray you'll care. Will you go back really quickly to Romans chapter 9? Romans chapter 9. It's just a chapter before. And I I want you to listen to how Paul describes this. When he's discussing the sequence, when he's talking about the global mission of Christ, when he's talking about the work of the gospel among the nations, he's not flippant, he's not cavalier. Look what he says. Romans chapter 9, verse 1. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. He's saying this isn't just like preacher talk. This isn't me just inflating the emotion of this. He's saying, "I bear, the Holy Spirit bears me witness. This is what's going on in me. Look at verse 2. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. To what extent, Paul? How sorrowful are you? How much is your anguish? Look what he says in verse 3. For I could wish, if it were possible, and it's not, but I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Do you hear that? Paul's saying this, if it were possible, I would exchange my eternal destiny for the salvation of those who have yet to believe. He says, here's what he's saying, I would go to hell if I had the choice and would bring these people to call on Jesus as Lord and Savior. What on earth do you care about like that? That's that's the thing for me. What on earth do you... Who on earth do you care about like that? I I grew up in a great church. I grew up with a great pastor. I grew up hearing the gospel. I grew up hearing about mission. And I grew up seeing rooms of people who were totally contented now that they were safe. The gospel saved me Me and mine are fine. And they didn't care. Could not have cared less about the global lostness of men, women, and children around this globe. Like the fact that 1.25 billion people in India are unreached by the gospel. 1.25 billion people. There's one people group, the Sheikh people group. They live in India, Bangladesh, uh, and parts of Pakistan. 236 million men, women, and children. Statistically speaking, 0.00% of that people group are followers of Jesus Christ. Just to put that in perspective, if you took the continental United States, and you cut off California, Texas, and Florida, and you took the rest of the population of the United States, there are more people in the shake people group than in the rest of the population of the continental United States. And here's what that means. It would mean like you could drive from Maine through New York, down to Philadelphia, into Washington, D.C., down the entire Eastern Seaboard, back up through the Blue Ridge Parkway to Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana. You could go all the way to Illinois and Chicago and go all the way across the Plain States, all the way out, and never encounter a follower of Jesus Christ. You you would go through that entire mass of people. Not only would you not see a church, you wouldn't see a Christian. 236 million people dying, perishing, who could be saved if they would call on the name of Jesus But they will not call if they don't believe. And they won't believe if they don't hear. And they won't hear if someone doesn't preach. And no one will preach unless someone will go. Here's what I'm praying. I'm praying you'll care. I'm praying that something you would never say with your mouth would never be said by your life. Which is, I'm fine. Let them go to hell. I'm praying you'll care. And here's why I'm praying that. Because stories and statistics won't stir your heart to care any more about the content of this text than you'll care about where you're going to eat lunch or what you're going to watch on TV this afternoon until God stirs you to say i have sorrow and that not only moves me to tears it moves me to action I'm praying that you'll care. Here's the second thing. I'm praying you'll pray. Go to chapter 10 and look at verse 1. So I pray you'll care. It's chapter 9, verse 1. Chapter 10, verse 1. Look what Paul says in chapter 10, verse 1. He doesn't just care. Brothers, my heart's desire is I have this this desire, this passion. I care. And what do I do? Some of you are saying, that's 1.25 billion? I can't wrap my mind around that at all. What do I do? Paul says, I care, so I pray. He says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Jesus himself said, listen, you need to pray for the Lord of the harvest, the Father in heaven, that he will send laborers out into his harvest. Pray, pray. Even before you go, you pray. Here's my question. Are you obeying Jesus' command to pray for the harvest among the nations? I pray you'll care, and that would move you to pray. Here, let me give you a couple of resources. Uh, The International Mission Board has an app you can download on your phone. Uh, It's called IMB Pray. You can just go there. It's a free app. It gives you prayer prompts for specific mission groups. Also, it gives you specific requests from missionaries around the world. That's IMB Pray. There's another one that's called OperationWorld.org. It's a prayer movement among the nations you can get daily emails. Um, if any of you still use email, I know it's kind of outdated, but e- daily emails that will tell you about the work of Christ among the unreached people groups so you can specifically pray every day for the work of Jesus among the nations. I pray that you will, I pray that you will care. I pray that you'll pray. Here's the, here's the third thing. I pray that you'll go. This text says they won't have anyone preaching to them unless someone is sent implying that they go. I pray that you'll go. Paul says in Romans 15, you guys can look it up later, that it was his ambition to preach Christ where Christ had not been proclaimed. I pray that some of you will go. Here's a question. How is God calling you to go this week? Who in this world is God stirring your heart to go to for the sake of of the gospel of Jesus. Now some of you say, there's a co-worker, there's a neighbor, there's someone I'd like to invite into my home, into my life, all for the sake of the gospel. Some of you need to be praying about how you're going to be a part of the short-term mission trips that this church is sponsoring. That you would be a part of the global mission as someone who goes... And you give away a portion of your time, a portion of your life, so that you can go among the harvest of God in the nations. I think there's a group going to Guatemala, is that correct? There's a group going to Detroit. I pray that you will care. I pray that you'll pray. I pray that you'll go. How's God holding you to go? Here's, here's the last thing. I not only pray that you'll care, that you'll pray, that you'll go. Here's, here's what I'm asking. Would you send? I pray that you'll send. So that's what it says here. How will they go? How will they preach unless someone is sent? Now, I believe with all my heart, that God is the one who's doing the sending. I believe with all my heart that God is the one who stirs the hearts of people to go among the nations, including this one, including your neighborhood, that God's stirring you to go. But will you be a part of sending? One of the ways that we send people to proclaim the gospel among the nations is by generously giving to support their work in unreached places around this world. Let me just give you some perspective here. I was looking some of this stuff up Four categories of American spending, and, and you could just kind of gauge how your family might weigh in on this. The average American family spends $1,200 a year on their television. $1,200 a year is the average television bill in America. The average American family spends $2,500 a year eating out. The average American family spends $4,000 a year on vacation. The average car payment is six. a year. Four categories of spending in American families totals almost $14,000. We spend almost $14,000 a year sending ourselves on vacation, sending ourselves places to eat, sending ourselves down the road in style, sending ourselves into a coma in front of our TVs every night. What about sending the gospel to the nations? Those four categories alone are ten times more than the average American Protestant Christians invest in the mission of Jesus through their local church. Just those four categories. I I pray that you will partner with this church to partner with gospel missionaries so that you can send those who are willing to answer God's call to be sent. There are William Carey's, Lottie Moon's, Jim Elliott's who are ready to go. I'm praying that there are William Carey's, Lottie Moon's, Jim Elliott's in this room this morning. That This church will sin for the sake of the gospel. Because here's the deal. There is a world, 7 billion men, women, and children lost. They are far from God and near to us And every one of them who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. But how will they call on Him that they haven't believed? And how will they believe on Him in whom they haven't heard? And how will they hear without someone proclaiming the good news to them? And how will someone proclaim the good news unless they're sent? And for those who answer the call... Who engage in the mission? How beautiful are the feet, how beautiful are the lives of those who carry the good news of Jesus to the ends of this earth. It's God's ordained sequence for the salvation of every person who will be saved on the face of planet earth. And He wants you to be a part. Would you bow your heads for just a moment before we go into the rest of our day? I just want to reflect over those truths that we talked about, and I want to start with this. If you're, if you're honest, would you, be, would you be able to say that you are trusting in Jesus? That you're, you're calling on Jesus to save you because you believe that He alone can save you? If that describes you, I want to encourage you right now, just thank God for the salvation that is ours in Christ. If you don't know that, if you don't know that you are, are forgiven by the work of Jesus and empowered to live the life that pleases God through faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you right now, just call on Jesus. Confess your sin. Acknowledge that you can't save yourself. You can't mend yourself. You can't heal what's broken in you. Confess that Christ Live the life you couldn't live, a perfect life. He died the death you should have died as a payment for your sin. He rose again from the dead to give his life to you. Would you call him to save you? And for those of you that would say, I'm a follower of Christ, I just want to ask, do you care about the mission of Christ? Like, honestly, throughout your week, would you pray that God, this morning, would stir up a passion in your hearts? that you wouldn't be isolated in the comfort of the Midwest in this country with our affluence and convenience, with the accessibility that we have to the gospel. Would you pray that God would not allow you to just live in that in a way that you could not care less about the lostness of men, women, and children around this world? Would you pray that God would stir up a passion, that you would care? Will you covenant with the Father to pray? Maybe download some of those resources. Maybe use some of the ones this church family will provide for you. Would you covenant to pray for the work among specific nations and specific groups of people? Will you ask God to stir your heart to go? And let the Spirit lead you in this. It may be to a specific person this week. Maybe God's calling you to go to speak to someone about their relationship with Christ. Maybe he's stirring you to maybe reorient your family vacation around a mission trip. Your vacation will be used for the global purpose of God. Would you pray that God would stir your heart on how specifically he's calling you to go? And then can I ask you to pray that God would stir you And how he wants you to be a part of sending. Specifically how much he would want you and your family to sacrificially give. So that others could be sent. To declare the gospel of Jesus among the nations. Pray about what he may be calling you to give give up, give away. In order to invest in the mission of Christ. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed in a spirit of prayer, I'm going to ask Pastor Brad to come and lead us into a time of prayer.
0: Your heads still so bowed. I'm just going to ask you for, to pray one simple thing this week as we begin this missions week. And God's already stirred my heart. I hope He stirred yours. I'm just I'm going to use an old-fashioned word here that I believe we need to bring back into our current conversation. If you're here this morning and you just would commit this week to pray that God would give you a burden. For lost people who are far from God, who desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ, it starts with that burden. Would you just pray this week that God would burden your heart? And you say, Pastor, I- I'll take that challenge. I'll pray this week that God would burden my heart. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want God to break my heart over what breaks his. And that's lost people. Lost people. That's where it starts, that God would break our hearts over what's on the heart of God. That's people who need Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this week that, God, you've already stirred our hearts. And, God, it's my prayer that we've made genuine, convictional change this morning. We've Mm -hmm. not just been stirred to emotion, Lord, but your, your word has stirred up. Your spirit has resonated with ours. And that, God, that change, that change would last longer than the parking lot. That God, as we go throughout our week this week, God, that we would have a different set of eyes. An eyes that is looking for people who are hurting and broken and need Jesus in our lives. God, help us to slow down enough to build relationships with those who don't know Christ. God, burden our hearts for lost people. And So as we go, as we give, as we pray, God, may the truth of your gospel in Romans 10 haunt our lives this week. May we be changed by the power of your word today. May we change the world right here from Liberty Township, all for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. In Christ's name we pray, because we can. Amen.